0: You're listening to the Food Heals Podcast.
1: Warning, side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, developing a more positive outlook on life, an increase in sexual activity, feelings of joy, cravings for kale and quinoa, and a spike in Tinder matches. In rare cases, people have experienced a strong desire to put down the Ben & Jerry's, get off the couch, and take a walk outside. If you experience any of these symptoms, tell your Facebook friends immediately.
0: All right, welcome Food Heals Nation. Thanks for joining me. I'm Allison Melody. Whether it's psilocybin, ayahuasca, MDMA, or even LSD, psychedelics have been given a bad name over the years, but what is the truth about these demonized drugs? Do they fit the drug category or do they fit the plant medicine category? What if we could unlock their healing power in a matter of minutes addressing lifelong trauma and PTSD without years of therapy? These questions are what inspired this three part series on food heals, where we are discussing the healing power of plant medicine in this series you'll hear brand new interviews with leading experts in the field of psychedelics who share their personal healing journeys as well as how you can access the power of plants to heal yourself as well enter my first guest paul austin the ceo of third wave and a pioneer in reshaping our perceptions of psychedelics through his company's Third Waves and Synthesis, he has helped lay the groundwork for legal mainstream access to psychedelic medicine that has long been stigmatized. Tune in to learn how microdosing can help us in our personal and professional lives, how to find a safe space for that healing journey, and what you can do at home to grow your own plant medicine. That's part one. Stay tuned because we have a three-part series. So in part two, I'll be talking to Derek Januszewski, the founder of Pachamama Sanctuary, which is an ayahuasca retreat center. And he'll share the story of how plant medicine assisted him in his journey to overcome a lifelong addiction and get sober and then finally in part three i'll speak with former police officer nick moticha who healed 15 years worth of job related trauma and went from being clinically diagnosed with severe ptsd to no longer meeting the criteria for a diagnosis after one plant healing session Plus, we'll go over the legalities of plant medicine. So stay tuned for all of these inspiring interviews. But first, today, my interview with Paul. Roll it, Roxy. The Food Heals Podcast starts now. He is the CEO of Third Wave with a passion for microdosing psychedelics. Please welcome Paul Austin to the show. Welcome, Paul.
1: Thank you so much for for having me on. I can't wait to, to dive in.
0: Yes, I'm so glad to have you. This is such a topic that I feel passionately about sharing and learning more about. So I'd love if we could start at the beginning and go into how you got into this, because you grew up in a fundamentalist religious family. And early on, you found psychedelics as medicine to help you heal from the shame and the guilt from your upbringing. I would love for you to take me through that journey to start, because I know this is something relatable that a lot of people can understand.
1: Great. Thank you. Thank you for the question. So to start with you know I, I grew up in a family environment that was definitely a traditional christian both of my parents were uh, progressive democrats so there was an element of a sheltered upbringing there was definitely a lot of church and um growing up and having a rebellious streak meant that i was still pushing against the grain because in any overly religious environment there's a lot of Black and white, right and wrong uh, do's and don'ts uh, when when life in reality is much more, much more nuanced and and much more gray. And so at the age of sixteen, as I started to individuate, I found cannabis. And uh, my parents soon found out that I had been smoking cannabis, and they sat me down after church one Sunday. And we're essentially like, we can't believe you would do this, right? This is breaking the law. It's illegal. It's also a very bad drug. And my dad looked over at me. My dad's a very sweet guy. We have, a, we have a great relationship. But in that moment, he was very like, you know, uh, war on drugs mentality, you know, Nancy Reagan's totally. dare mentality and was like, I can't yep. believe you would do this. You know, this is the most disappointed I've been since my brother passed away in a car accident and that that um i think that that comment was really representative of where we were at in this was this would have been in 2006 and since that point in time you know fast forward now 17 years later cannabis has been destigmatized and legalized in many places psychedelics have gone through a renaissance so soon after that with the same friend that introduced me to cannabis i found myself with some LSD and did a high dose of LSD and really had my life changed by that experience. I was 19 at the time trying to figure out what to do with my life. And it helped me to heal from a lot of the shame and the guilt that had been sort of, you know, conditioned into me growing up in an overly sheltered and religious environment, but also mm-hmm. not only helped me to heal that shame and guilt, but helped me to expand and really uh, envision who I wanted to become and, and most importantly, what I wanted to create, what mission I wanted to pursue, what work I wanted to do. And that sent me down a path of, um, you know, traveling to 70 some countries in my 20s, living in places like Portugal, Thailand, Turkey, and starting an online business. Um, and soon after starting that first online business, actually starting a platform, Third Wave, which is about psychedelic education. And so now for the last eight years, I've been professionally involved in the psychedelic space. And we have an educational platform. We have a training institute. We're now starting to do events for entrepreneurs, CEOs, uh, um, pioneers in this space, and uh, it's been it's been quite the journey, and a lot of fun, and also a lot of risk, which um, I I like uh, I like a enough risk to make things interesting, but not so much to to lose sleep at night. So um, <laughs> the life of an know. entrepreneur, I feel yeah, you. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Um, it's interesting. My upbringing was similar in terms of my parents were like very much liberal democrats as well a lot of freedom a lot of choice but at the same time i was of the dare generation and i was wearing the t-shirt and we were singing the songs drug abuse resistance education like i'll never forget it like i was so anti-drug drugs are bad. and one day in my teenage years i can't remember how old i was 16, 17 perhaps. And my dad sat me down and he was like, don't do drugs, but you can smoke weed. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? That goes against everything I learned at DARE. And my dad was like, no, for real, like not all drugs are created equal. And so um, a little bit later at some point I tried it and it did not work for me, Paul. I am not a person that can have any type of weed. It doesn't affect me well. So I went back to all drugs are bad. When did you learn that we had been served a bill of goods in terms of not all drugs are created equally? Of course, I don't want anyone on street drugs. I don't want anyone on fentanyl. There's so many scary repercussions out there, but there are also so many healing tools that come from nature that have been classified as quote unquote drugs. Tell me about how you figure that out and what we need to know about microdosing psychedelics.
1: So interestingly enough, even when I started to work with LSD and mushrooms and and cannabis, I've always had a bit of a cannabis works for me. I I enjoy it, Um, but it becomes and it's become quite sticky. So I'm like taking basically a full year off at this point in time to sort of reset that. So a lot of this is the nuance around. Well, what are drugs? Which drugs do we use? How do we define what makes a drug good or a drug bad? Mm-hmm. And I didn't really start to get into that nuance until you know, I was probably 24, 25. Now, uh, you know, I didn't the only things I really did until my mid 20s were uh, mushrooms, LSD, and cannabis. So I was never really interested. I may have smoked DMT once. I was never really interested in in these hard drugs. Uh, like cocaine and opiates, uh, anything that was overly addictive or harmful. Um, I never found myself drawn to those. And, you know, when I was, when I was 19, 20, I, I drank a lot of alcohol um, mm. as many do in the States. But then after I started to take LSD more consistently, I just basically stopped drinking alcohol. I've, you know, even today, every now and then I might have a, a drink. I'm not a teetotaler, but it's it's very minimal. So my relationship with these drugs has sort of evolved over time where these so, sort of socially sanctioned drugs like tobacco, alcohol, caffeine, um, I find myself, you know, sort of at a, a at a bit of an arm's distance from at least alcohol and tobacco. Caffeine, I you know, I drink tea, I drink coffee. Uh, but with these other ones like LSD, mushrooms, ayahuasca, 5-MeO-DMT, these psychedelic substances, I think there's something really interesting about them that substantially improves an individual's life if they are used with a sense of responsibility, intention. Um, and even in these early experiences that I had when I was like 19 and 20, for a week or two weeks after I would do a high dose of LSD, I would feel amazing. I would be more uh, connected. I would make better decisions around the food that I ate. I you know, would spend more time outside, I was more present. I was meditating more often. So I noticed on a subjective level, oh, I feel really good after this. Uh, but on an objective level, I still thought, oh, but LSD must be bad because it's illegal. And so it wasn't until I was 24, 25 that I started to do the research and it was like, oh, we've been using these for thousands of years as humans. There's a ton of clinical research proving their efficacy from the 50s and 60s that was buried. Uh, and there's starting this would have been 2010 2011 starting to be more and more research you know maybe i need to go a little bit deeper and so that's when i started to read a lot of books and try microdosing myself uh this was 2015 and then soon after that started third wave because i thought oh like if 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 this is a tool that people aren't using but it could be really beneficial then they're missing out on on something substantial and it's sort of uh, it felt like I don't know my mission or my duty to like create a website that really provided balanced education, so people could go, okay, this is what the science actually says. This is how it's been used historically. This is what makes it good. This is where it becomes potentially dangerous. And our our educational platform, our resources, has really helped a lot of beginners, especially those who are interested in microdosing to come into this, because a lot of people don't necessarily just you know want to take five grams of mushrooms. Uh, in a dark room, the first time they 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 work with these, they'd rather microdose. They take a very low amount. Maybe they do it two or three times a week. They see how it feels. And so publicly, I've always focused on um, education around microdosing psychedelics specifically, specifically LSD and psilocybin mushrooms. Hence the book I wrote, Mastering Microdosing. We have a course on third wave. Um, uh, I've done a lot of talks on it because I truly believe that um, to become culturally integrated, uh, most people are really just interested in, in taking these lower doses, not necessarily in taking taking super high doses. With that said, the clinical research on the efficacy of high doses of psychedelics is outstanding for a range of clinical conditions like addiction, PTSD, depression, anxiety. And, um, you know, it's not just clinical therapeutic efficacy that we're seeing. People are more creative, they're more energetic, uh, they learn faster, uh, they lead more impactful lives. All of this comes from those who are working with psychedelics intentionally.
0: Oh my gosh. Well, thank you for breaking that down. And I want to go back to LSD specifically because I'm coming from it at a place which I believe there might be a lot of listeners my same age who are like could be shocked by this because I was literally taught that LSD was something they did in the 60s and 70s that was so bad and everyone died, right? Like I'm telling you this from the perspective of that's what I was taught. Now I know, I remember a Rolling Stone article from, I don't know when, but definitely 10 or 15 years ago, recently in our lifetime, but not when I was young, right? That was basically like, this is healing. There are underground doctors using it illegally to treat patients with PTSD and save their lives and help them heal from the massive amount of trauma that they've experienced. So I would love to hear a little bit about what is LSD? What healing benefits does it have? And why was it misclassified and demonized for so long? Because I still have, there's still a part of me that's like, oh, that's the devil because that's what I was told.
1: I'm glad you asked. I have a tattoo of LSD on my ankle. It's my favorite oh. psychedelic. Um, yeah, I, you know, it's something that has a lot of stigma. That's that's highly misunderstood um, because it is so potent. Uh, a very 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 small amount of LSD is more than enough to um, send you off on a very very intense experience. Uh, And in fact, the inventor of LSD, the guy who synthesized it for the first time, Albert Hoffman, a Swiss chemist, found this out in a really interesting way when on April 19, 1943, um, he pulled LSD-25 off the charts. He had had done an initial synthesis in 1938. He was attempting to invent an ergot-based substance that could help with childbirth um, and LSD-25. Uh, was the 25th iteration. Five years later, he has this premonition that that LSD-25 is going to do something, pulls it off, tries a tiny bit, notices something and comes back and does 250 micrograms of LSD, which is two and a half hits, a a good amount, thinking that it was a very small amount, right? 250 micrograms is a quarter of a milligram. There's a thousand milligrams in a gram. Tiny, 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 tiny tiny amount and ends up having the world's first LSD experience. And so what happened in the 60s was, LSD was legal until I believe 1968 federally. And so you could just basically ship LSD from Sandoz from Switzerland into the United States and everyone was passing it around and they weren't microdosing on it. They were doing really really high doses. A lot of people in the counterculture scene in the in the anti-Vietnam War scene. And mm-hmm. so it became very associated with the counterculture with hippies. There were a lot of acid casualties. There are a lot of people who just dropped out of society. Um, and that had a lot more to do with the intention behind it than it has to do with the sort of safety of the substance itself. LSD, there's never been any deaths from LSD um physiologically. In other words, you can't overdose an LSD. People have done stupid shit behaviorally. You know they might take LSD a lot of it and do something to harm themselves, but you can never die from just taking LSD. You can't overdose. on on LSD. Um, And what's really interesting about LSD as well is it's made from something called ergot. And ergot is a fungus that grows on rye bread. And ergot is the same fungus that the ancient Greeks made a psychedelic potion from called kukion. Uh, And they would use this potion, Plato and Aristotle and all many of the Cicero, many of the major Greek and Roman philosophers and thinkers and creators participated in these Eleusinian Mysteries, where they would take the ancient equivalent of LSD and then they would have these mystical experiences. Um, and so it's really interesting that LSD came back around because it's sort of like, you know, uh, who's Elf- uh, Alfred North Whitehead, had an English philosopher who was, you know, late 19th century, early 20th century, said that everything in philosophy is a footnote to Plato in Western philosophy. So our whole Western canon, our whole Western philosophy, Western lineage comes back to Plato. And one of the most impactful um, experiences that Plato ever had was with this ancient LSD beverage. And um, and so it's really interesting that we're kind of coming back around to that and our Western lineage that it's becoming more and more widespread. And especially nowadays that people are recognizing, oh, I need to have a therapist or a coach there. I need to be in a safe setting. This is a very intense experience. I can't just do a bunch of acid and go to a Grateful Dead show, you know, and make that my life for the next 30 years. Um, So I think there's, there's a little bit more of a sense now with people who are especially microdosing LSD, hey, I wanna work with this substance, this drug, to be more creative, to be more innovative, to think outside the box to have better self-care, to make better, you know, food decisions. There's really more of a bent around performance optimization, but to something greater, not just sort of the navel-gazing typical Um, you know, CEO mindset, I'm just doing this for me and mine. When people start to work with psychedelics, they really uh, start to have a mission and a vision that's much more collaborative and really looking at impact rather than bottom line.
0: And my understanding with a lot of these um, substances, I don't want to call them drugs because I feel like that's going to misconstrue the, the view of what they are, but some of these substances is that they really do allow you to access parts of the brain, the mind that may be suppressed by things like our shame, our misbeliefs, our traumas, our past, all of this. And so what has your experience been personally um, when it comes to microdosing or taking larger amounts, whether it was um, LSD or a uh, mushroom or you mentioned ayahuasca earlier, which I'm also interested in talking about because I have more people talking about ayahuasca than anything else in my life. Ali, go do this ayahuasca. It's going to change your life. You're going to throw up and you're going to forgive yourself for all the things And I'm like, I'll, I'll know y'all. But uh, <laughs> tell me some of the... Um, I just want to do the ones that make me happy, not the ones that make me relive the trauma and throw up. So tell me about some of your experiences and what people may expect. I mean, not maybe what people may expect because every experience is different, but tell me some of the personal things that happened to you when you started and really got you on this path to go, okay, now I'm going to teach others. I'm going to build my own business around this. I'm going to help other people teach this. What was your experience that really, your meaningful experiences that took you in this direction? Yeah,
1: a lot of it comes down to this connection and relationship to the you know our ecology, the environment, the earth. I grew up in a small town, and I, I would always love to spend a lot of time going uh, in, in in West Michigan. We have these incredible beaches, so six, seven, eight months of the year, like hiking in the woods, by the beach. Um, so I love to spend time out in nature. I I I'd, every now and then would do like longer canoeing trips or you know, growing up, we would spend time in Yellowstone and Denali and all these beautiful national parks. So it was always sort of inculcated in me from a young age, like this love and appreciation for the natural world. And 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 one of the most common experiences across the board when people work with psychedelics is they feel connected to to something greater than themselves, right? They feel, yeah. especially if they're doing it in nature, they feel really connected to the trees and the woods and the beach and the sky, right? There's this sort of, um, deep sense of of interconnectedness, um, because all of a sudden the 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 boundaries of our individual self, this egoic self, uh, are are made more flexible and malleable by working with psychedelics. So all of a sudden, it's harder to determine where do I end and where does where does another person begin, or well, where do I end and where does you know the environment begin. Um, and that sense of uh, malleable, sort of permeable boundaries, is what leads to a lot of the healing for people when they work with psychedelics, because so much of, you know, our, our our malaise as as a culture, our disease as a culture is this sense of deep disconnection from the environment, from the earth, from ourselves, from our community, you know, in our relationships, we feel isolated, we feel alone. It's almost like we collectively struggle with amnesia that many of us have been raised in uh, religious environments and systems that feel dead or, you know, don't feel, like they're really vital and alive. And many there are also many of us that have been raised in much more atheistic uh, reductionist environments where everything can be explained and science is the God and all of that. And what I came to realize through psychedelics is there's there's a mystery out there that we can't explain. There's something that is beyond consciousness that we can't explain. There are ways in which um, going and looking into the unfathomable and unexplainable is actually where a lot of, healing and and release can happen because we just don't take life so serious. you know. And I think that that ability to see beyond the veil and understand that life is a game that we get to create and to play then brings a certain amount of levity to the entire experience. And when we're more playful, when we have more levity, when we don't take things so serious, when we're not so rigid, then all of a sudden we open ourselves up to be um, more impactful creators. We open ourselves up to be better lovers. We open ourselves up to, to live better lives um, because we're not holding everything uh, with such a seriousness or a neuroticism. And that's, that's also reflected in the neurobiology of what happens when you take a psychedelic. When you take a psychedelic, the two hemispheres of your brain are talking with one another. Uh, The left hemisphere is communicating way more to the right hemisphere. So there's ways in which old neuronal pathways that for many of us have been deactivated since childhood because we stopped playing um, when we became adults. A lot of those old neuronal pathways are reactivated. And so all of a sudden we can access more of a sense of um, uh, playfulness and levity and love. And that for a lot of people is, is, is quite healing.
0: Who else wants a free, fresh bottle of olive oil shipped straight to their door? Let me back up. The first time I went to Italy, I finally tasted real olive oil for the first time. It's not that I had never had olive oil before, of course, in the States, but the difference was I was having olive oil made fresh from olives that were growing on the property in Rivello off the Amalfi Coast. 323com That's getfresh323.com. You'll get your free bottle and you'll pay $1 for shipping. Getfresh323.com. You know, and like I get it from the perspective of, and this is so just, this is just my perspective and how I find this. It's like when I'm stressed and I drink my wine, I feel more happy. I feel more playful. I feel more light. I feel more woohoo. And I've had people like my um old, my my really good friend in LA who literally found microdosing magic mushrooms is like, Allie, this is better than wine. You're going to feel connected. You're going to feel happy. You're going to feel joy. And I'm like, I already get that from wine. I don't need this. She's like, Allie. And and listen, you guys, I'm I'm telling you my Story because you might be like feeling where I'm feeling, like hesitant and blah blah blah. And that's why I'm really excited to have Paul share with you like, here's the other side of this. And you don't need the wine calories to feel this sense of connectedness to feel better in your everyday life. So, um, Paul, talk to me a little bit about okay, we've got this idea that we may want to try something like microdosing magic mushrooms. But I don't even know, where would I get that? How would I grow that? Is this legal? I don't have a drug dealer that can bring this over. So like, I know that third wave is kind of breaking that down for us and helping us out with that. You provide a lot of education and resources for that. So how can we get started if we're interested in expanding our mind in this way and testing it on ourselves?
1: Yeah. So the, the legal landscape has been changing pretty rapidly. So We, for example, just finished up an event in Aspen where we brought together uh, CEOs, doctors, lawyers, coaches to talk about the future of psychedelics and where it was going. And as part of that experience, uh, I gave everyone microdoses of mushrooms because I can legally gift that in the state of Colorado now. Um, so we hosted a retreat there. So if you're in Colorado, it is now legal to grow your own mushrooms. It's legal to give mushrooms to other people. Some of these other plant medicines like ayahuasca and San Pedro are also legal. Oregon is another state where psilocybin mushrooms are now legal and available. Um, the Netherlands it's legal for any European listeners. And then a scattering of the, of other places like Jamaica and Brazil, um, have very loose legal policies around it. But besides that, um, psilocybin mushrooms at this point in time are, are illegal everywhere. However, with that being said, the DEA has stated publicly that they really have no interest in pursuing um, you know, fe- federal cases against people who are working with psychedelics. A lot of states, even places like Colorado and California, uh, are 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 um they're pursuing it less and less. There are major cities like Oakland, Seattle, Detroit that have decriminalized all plant medicines, meaning those cities are not using any police dollars to arrest or pursue people who have mushrooms. So it is way safer than it's ever been before. The legal landscape is opening more and more every single day. And so like You know, for the for any listeners who are interested in this, it's like even through Third Wave, we sell a grow kit where you can grow your own mushrooms, right? So it comes with a course, it fits in a shoebox. You know, if you want to grow your own, it takes about six weeks to do. We have a kit and a course on how to do that on Third Wave. Other folks will join different communities or go to local events and just start to build relationships and connect with other people who are who are in this space. So for example, at Third Wave, we have an app. Uh, where our community hangs out. If you just go and type in third wave community in the app store, you can download our app. It has three little red dashes on it and a white background and just start to connect with people in your city or in your state or from all over the place that are also interested in in this work and, and this space. So um, I think just with a little bit of intention and you know a commitment of this is something I'm interested in. I'm going to do a little bit more research and you can go to our website to do that. I'm going to look into this a little bit more, but I really, I think as long as that intention is held and there's some energy given to it, it's easier now than ever to find mushrooms and really good mushrooms at that without having to go to like a grungy, sketchy, um, uh, like, you know, <laughs> drug dealer or whatever like that, that is, is becoming increasingly less necessary.
0: Yeah, I think that's kind of like, it's. it all goes back to, for me, the pictures that were put into my head as a kid is that all of this is sketchy, all of this is dangerous. And of course, there are street drugs that can be sketchy and dangerous, but that's not what we're talking about here. And because my brain was so indoctrinated at an early age to believe it's all the same, and then I had to separate it as an adult. And now you can't, There is like almost nothing that would get me to take a pharmaceutical drug, but I'll take supplements unregulated by the FDA all day, right? So my mindset had to shift, and it's the same when it comes to these types of things and microdosing, and I love that your event – This is not a small thing, Food Heal Station. Your event was just on Inc.com. You said there's more articles coming out about this where you had coaches and doctors and lawyers and Fortune 500 founders to figure out like, how can we do this? So the future of, when I say medicine, I want to say healing our minds with mushrooms is here. It's coming. Third wave is on the forefront of that. Tell me what you're seeing in terms of like what's coming.
1: Yeah. So that that event came out of a desire to bring together a lot of folks who had already gone through uh, our training program for coaches. So we have Uh, Through Third Wave and uh, a new brand, we've rolled out the Psychedelic Coaching Institute. We have a 10-month training program for executive coaches, holistic health coaches, life and relationship coaches, clinicians as well who want to integrate psychedelics into their practice in a transformative way. And so... Uh, we've We've done about four cohorts of that, trained about one hundred and fifty people. And I wanted a really good excuse or reason to bring back a lot of those graduates for another retreat experience because cool. um as part of that as part of that training program, we do like a six day intensive in Costa Rica. It's magical. People love it. People love coming together. And I was like, how do we how do we get more folks to come back and and deepen the conversation and less about my practice as a coach, but more about how am I showing up? in a professional way, in a professional environment. So then we, we invited our main investor, you know, one of our board members. I invited a handful of other CEOs in my network, some of the lawyers who helped to write this legislation. And we had a weekend of wellness. You know, I did, we were right on the frying pan river um, outside Aspen. So I led like a Wim Hof and cold plunge in the river. Yes, um, I love it. They had a sauna on site. We did what I call a hiker dose where everyone takes a microdose of mushrooms and then goes on a hike uh, through the Aspens. Um,
0: a hycrodose? I a love hycredose. this so much. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> this is awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah, we lead. You know, we had different executive coaches come in, and you know, shamanic facilitators, and lawyers, and do- medical doctors to talk about, you know, what is the cutting edge of the cutting edge in the psychedelic space, and how do we really um, act with intention to create coherence in this group of pioneers who are really looking to to write this new story because. I, you know, the the future of psychedelics is in many ways quite uncertain. Uh, we don't know how quickly these will become uh, legally regulated and available. We don't know what type of backlash we might see. We don't know how big pharmaceutical companies will get involved. There's a lot of hypotheses. There's a lot of things that um, that obviously will happen. But if I've learned anything these last few years, it's that life uh, has a way of surprising us more and more and more. So. The things that we know, I would say, for certain are the things that I already mentioned. There are two states that have legalized this in the United States. There are a number of cities that have decriminalized. California right now actually has a bill on the desk of the governor that if he signs it, California will also legalize mushrooms, um, uh, San Pedro and ayahuasca. So in other words, if California goes and that actually gets through. We are very, very close to, I would say, a massive tipping point Culturally, because next year, MDMA, also known as ecstasy, will become medically available to treat PTSD. Um, And uh, by 2027, they expect a synthetic form of mushrooms uh, to be medicalized for depression, uh, both major depressive disorder and treatment resistant depression. So by the end of this decade, my anticipation. So within the next six to seven years is that we will have widespread accessibility to psychedelic substances and that the majority of people in the United States will live in a geographic location where they can legally access these, these uh, substances.
0: A couple of questions come to mind. I want to go back to what Third Wave does in terms of, okay, how do I grow it myself? But before I do that, let me go back to what you just said. Is it a good thing or a bad thing when the drug companies start to get their hands on these things. Does it become a healing tool that is more accessible to others? Or does it become something that is now handled by drug companies and taken out of the hands of the people who are doing it, the, I want to say the right way, organically, sustainably to start with? Like, Do you have any opinion on that? Or maybe you're not sure and that's okay too.
1: Well, my, my sense is it will become like a both and, like all all rising tides lift The boats at this point in time, there's so much blue ocean in the psychedelic space um, that I think it does have the potential to transform the system and structure from within the FDA and certain pharmaceutical companies. In fact, just a couple of weeks ago, there was the first acquisition of a psychedelic startup by a major pharmaceutical company for, I think, $80 million. So we're starting to see that already. You know, I'm always a fan of like structure dictates outcome So if, if these substances are rolled out within FDA, pharmaceutical containers, individualized therapy, you know, within a healthcare system, especially in the States, that's quite broken. I don't think they're going to be nearly as efficacious as, you know, those who are doing, you know, for example, one of the projects I started was a psilocybin center in the Netherlands where we did legal psilocybin retreats, wellness retreats for folks. I don't think a clinical environment will be as effective for most people as like, a group retreat experience in nature with great food, with connection, with wellness. I think the efficacy of that is going to be much higher, but like most people as their first step might just go to a local clinic and get treatment before they're like, okay, yeah, I'm going to spend $5,000 now to fly down to Costa Rica or to fly out to Colorado or to fly out to California to get this treatment. Um, right. So the short term, it's helpful. Mid to long term, my sense is one of the utilities of psychedelics as a technology is helping us to uh, embrace the importance of decentralization and uh, localized systems. So my sense is that as psychedelics become more and more integrated into sort of our cultural um, substrate, that the systems that emerge from that will be um you know much more regenerative they'll be much more holistic i think they will it'll will transform medicine it'll transform healthcare it'll transform education and business there will just be another level of consciousness and awareness that's brought to a lot of these things that you know i don't think you know i I don't I, I think systems can be transformed with from within, but I think also sometimes some systems need to die. And our current modern pharmaceutical system, specifically as it relates to mental health, I think needs to die. And I think psychedelics will really help to um, uh, enliven and vitalize a a new way of approaching uh, mental health uh, and psychedelics. you know the, the the sort of anecdote that I give on this is I'm actually, just in the mail the day Elon Musk's new biography came out by by Walter Isaacson. Walter also wrote Steve Jobs' biography, wrote Albert Einstein. He wrote Benjamin Franklin. Um, so probably the best known biographer of our time. So I was just reading through that a little bit before we hopped on the podcast today. And one thing that's interesting about how Elon built is he didn't try to fix the oil and gas fossil fuel industry. He didn't try to fix the sort of car system that was rooted in extraction and ecological destruction. Instead, he said, I'm actually going to create a totally new paradigm for electric cars that allow us to transcend this current system that we're in. And I think psychedelics are going to um, culturally initiate something that is 10x, what Elon has done through um, Tesla and renewable cars.
0: This holiday season, give the gift of health with products that bring vitality to your loved one's lives every single day. First, check out Cure Nutrition's Rise. This is the morning companion your body craves. Rise and shine with natural energy, courtesy of the broad spectrum CBD lion's mane cordyceps, ginseng, and rhodiola, which are the main ingredients. Say goodbye to morning grogginess and hello to focus and productivity. It's vegan, it's gluten-free, it's the boost you need without the crash. Plus, it makes a great gift. I love getting gifts that'll make me healthier, that'll make me happier, that will make me more productive. So if you have someone in your life who's like me, this would make a great gift them. Embrace the power of nature and CBD and visit CureNutrition.com slash Food Heals to save 20% off. Another energy giving gift that you can sip on throughout your day you can give to others is Organifi Red Juice. This is a caffeine free energy boost straight, from nature it's got red beet cordyceps and rhodiola you can indulge in the sweet berry taste it's high in antioxidants it's got adaptogens those are the secret weapons that stabilize your energy and your mood and support your body's essential processes with organifi red juice you'll experience sustained motivation without the jitter so whether it's a pre-workout kick or it's a last-minute rescue, this red juice is your go-to solution. You can also check out the Organifi Red travel packs. That means the energy goes with you wherever you go. That makes a great stocking stuffer as well for anyone on your list. Make your holidays vibrant. Visit OrganifiShop.com slash FoodHeals. Use the coupon code FoodHeals to save 20% off your order. All right, so... People here are listening and they're like, all right, I want to grow this myself, just like Paul said I could with Third Wave, or I want to incorporate this with my coaching clients because I know it could be the next level thing for them, or I'm a therapist or whatever. So talk to me about Third Wave, what we can find on the website if we want to grow it ourselves, how we grow it ourselves, and if we want to go next level, provide this for our clients, how we can do that.
1: So you know, when I started Third Wave in 2015, it was initially just education, right? Resources, guides, and every major psychedelic. I, I started a podcast of my own in 2016 called the Psychedelic Podcast. Um, and Third Wave has since grown to not only include education, but also a list of incredible providers, retreat centers, clinics, therapists, coaches, uh, as well as a community, which I mentioned earlier. So. The best first step for people who are just more like kind of curious and interested is just to go to thethirdwave.co. So, thethirdwave.co. We have a newsletter, we have a podcast, the psychedelic podcast. Just join our community, sign up for our newsletter email list, check out the guys, just get a sense of uh, what we have there. And if there are folks listening who are like, I really want to do a deeper dive, right? Like, I'm a coach, I'm someone who wants to become a coach or a practitioner in this space and I want to work with this, I really think psychedelics are going to be define the cutting edge of coaching uh, for many reasons, which unfortunately we don't have time to go into super depth, but I just see them as being the number one cutting edge tool for in, in any coach's toolbox over the next 10 years. So if there's anyone listening who's like, oh, that's really something I want to be on the, the sort of front end of, then we have a training program um, called our Coaching Certification Program, and you can find out more about that at uh, the third wave as well. Uh, and that's done through the Psychedelic Coaching Institute. It's a ten-month program uh, with a six-day intensive in Costa Rica, where uh, psilocybin is is legal, and we bring you through a container to help you ensure that you know you can weave psychedelics uh, into your practice. And then finally, if folks just you know are, are interested in doing deeper work themselves, if if they are in a leadership position and are looking you know to to lead a more happy and fulfilling life. Um, I also do some some one-on-one coaching and, and some group work in that dynamic. That was part of what the event in Aspen um was, was weaving in. And you can find out more about that at my personal website, which is paulaustin.co. I'm also on Instagram and Twitter and, and pretty active there uh, at the the handle Paulaustin3W.
0: Perfect. And if we are at home and we want to be able to grow one year's worth of microdoses in just six weeks, like What if we don't have a green thumb? Like, take me through that. Is this easy? Anyone can do it. Take me through how we do it.
1: So how to do it is... It's in the course itself, but essentially step one is you get the spores. So we can't sell the spores with it, but we provide you a list of which spores to buy. You inculcate the the substrate with the spores and let it sit for a little bit until the spores have started to get little mushroomies. And then you plant that substrate in the, the little thing of dirt that we send and you put that in a dark area. And the most important thing for growing mushrooms is just make sure no mold gets in. Be very, very tight about the mold thing. And so just make sure you have a clean environment to do it. in, especially when you're making that shift, we have videos on all of this. So uh, I know a lot of people are visual learners, but we'll have, yeah, we have, we have videos that explain every single step, how to put this in that, where that goes, how, you know, where to store that. And then, you know, some folks do it the first time they grow a bunch of mushrooms. Some to- folks, like anything, it takes them a try or two to figure it out. But we also have like refill kits that you can get if you want to try it another time or two. And people find that, you know, they, they can grow up to a year's worth of medicine with just one flush. So it's enough uh, mushrooms to last you for a year. And a lot of folks with more of a green thumb, they just love to grow their own supply and have that. So it's, it's easier now compared to ever. And um, you know, my hope is part, part of my like maverick spirit wants to make it, as easy as possible for everyone to grow their own mushrooms because I think mushrooms are the medicine of the people and that the more people who have access to to this, the the better.
0: Absolutely. And I want to mention to Food Heals Nation that you do have a discount code for us. If you head over to FoodHillsNation.com slash grow kit, you can get your grow kit and you can actually save ten percent off using the discount code. Food Heals 10. And then of course, you've got your class on microdosing. And that you can also access at foodhealsnation.com slash microdosing. And you can save 10% off the course using the code Heals 10 And I know you probably cover this in the course, but can we talk about dosing I wanna know microdosing, what does that mean? How much do I take on a daily basis? How regularly am I taking this? And is this something that we take every day? Is this something we cycle in and out of? Like, talk to me about that. You know, coffee, which is kind of a nootropic, we drink that every day and don't think twice about it. So is this similar? Is this different? I would love to hear more about what a microdose actually means.
1: Yeah. So microdosing is about a 10th of a regular dose. So for psilocybin, that's anywhere from like 100 to 200 milligrams. And for LSD, that's anywhere from 10 to 20 micrograms. And it's sub-intoxicating, meaning you're not taking a dose level where your normal day-to-day function is impaired. You can still work. You can still go for walks. You can still connect with other people. You're not like in a deep journey space. And the key with microdosing is a protocol to do it two or three times a week for at least a month, if not longer. So similar to mindfulness meditation, you don't sit down in the cushion on day one, meditate for 15 minutes, and expect to be enlightened and transformed. You really have to commit to at least, you know, 30 days straight minimum of of meditation. And microdosing is similar. If you really want to see the 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 sort of benefits of neuroplasticity of that, if you want to see the benefits as it relates to mood energy uh, behavioral change in terms of what you eat and how much you move it's really good to do it two if not three times a week every other day um, and do that for 30 to 60 days and then and then have an intention behind it you know the intention could be to meditate more often the intention could be to get off certain psychiatric medications the intention could be to drink less alcohol uh, the intention could be to you know work on a creative project just have an an intention a focus that helps to anchor that protocol and you'll really notice Uh, how life uh, will mold to help you uh, execute against those intentions.
0: That is beautiful. And I really appreciate all this information today. So to learn more about you, you've got paulaustin.co. If you want to learn more about the third wave, it's thethirdwave.co. That's where you can find out more about microdosing and how to grow your own psychedelic mushrooms at home. And then if you want to learn more about the coaching and integrate this into your practice, it's all over at psychedeliccoaching.com. Institute anything I miss, Paul? Any other words of wisdom that you want to impart on Food Heals Nation today?
1: I mean, this was this is an incredibly thorough podcast. It was really an honor to to come on and and talk to your audience for a little bit about about psychedelics. You know, in, in some ways this is food, but in other ways it's it's more like manna from the bot. You know, it's a sort of mystical sort of food that we're we're working with. So um, it was cool to be able to cover. Uh, both the mystical and the physio- physiological. So yeah, I just appreciate you having me on. And, and thanks to all the listeners for keeping an open mind and, and going down the rabbit hole.
0: Absolutely. Well, I say food heals, mushrooms, that's a food, so mushrooms heal. I'm exactly I'm in.
1: Exactly. I love it.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much for being here, Paul. Thank you. All right, Food Heals Nation. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Paul. And if you want to start growing and cultivating your own mushrooms at home, you can go to foodhealsnation.com. Slash grow kit, and if you use the discount code Food Heals 10, you'll save 10% off your order. And if you're just interested in the course, the course alone, you can go to slash microdosing. That will take you to the microdosing course, and of course, you can still use the code Food Heals 10 to save 10% off that course as well. Thanks to Paul for a great interview and for giving us those amazing discount codes. All right, Food Heals Nation, I've got two more more episodes on the healing power of plants, the healing power of plant medicine, I should say. So stay tuned for those. All right. See you next time and cheers to your good health.